We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Have you ever wanted to be a spy? You know, probably when you're a teen, but do you still, would, would that kind of, you know, maybe not like James Bond, you know, you're maybe not kind of that level, but, uh, you know. So, because apparently right now, the New Zealand intelligence community, that's what they call this sort of umbrella organisations that has these several organisations that kind of keep an eye on things, I suppose, um, and uh, threats to the country and all this sort of thing. They're recruiting at the moment. So there you go. If you're looking for a bit of a, a career change and kind of a bit bored in what you're doing, and uh, one of the things their ads say is that no two days are the same, and I'm kind of like going, well, that's pretty much my job, no two days are the same, so I, I think that's, that, that's pretty cool. But anyway, um, their, their catchphrase for their campaign, if you're interested, if you want to Google it, um, no, don't do it now, do it later because you're listening to the sermon now, but um, uh, is, is the... The phrase that you put into Google is beyond ordinary. Okay, so uh, that if you if you put in that, that's the first thing that will pop up on Google. Because I was just thinking, I kind of chose this name, and then I thought I better Google this and just see what else comes up if you, you happen to Google beyond ordinary. So that's what pops up. So, and but it got me thinking. I was thinking. You know, that would be kind of interesting job to do, wouldn't it? It would be kind of, I don't know, all that's involved. Probably stuck behind a computer screen, I suspect, most of the time, or, or sitting watching someone coming into the country or something. I don't know. But um, uh, I was thinking, yeah, if that's a life beyond ordinary, man, following Jesus has got to be a life beyond ordinary, right? Amen? It's a, it, there, there is so much to living a life with Jesus there's, you, you live life beyond the ordinary. And you see this as the disciples start to gather around Jesus and follow him and follow his teaching. They observe him doing extraordinary things and they think, wow, that's pretty cool. They witness him doing miracles. Like, like people didn't go around doing miracles, okay? And Jesus, he just heals people just on the spot. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. And so they put their trust in him. They believed him in. They, they learned from him. But coming to the end of his time here on earth, Jesus goes to those who are following him, and he says, you think this is beyond ordinary? Man, you've got a lot more coming. This is, you know, this is only just the start. I'm going away, but you're going to do what I'm doing. And they're like going, whoa. <laughs> okay, okay. And then in the book of Acts, we see them living this life way beyond the ordinary, where, where it, it all comes together for them. The disciples get what Jesus was talking about. They live these extraordinary lives. So we're going into a series over the next few weeks called Beyond Ordinary, where we look at these early chapters of Acts and, we're, and look at what our brothers and sisters in Christ, the first church, what they did and how they lived their lives beyond the ordinary and what we can learn from that. Is that cool? Okay, let's go. Acts chapter 1, and this is uh, verse 3. Acts chapter 1. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. This is Jesus, talking about Jesus. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God this extraordinary life that they are going to live. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. You know, you're, you're, you're baptized with water. You, you believed in me. That's all cool. Great. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So they're not thinking in terms of spiritual thinking and the kingdom of God. They're thinking, you know, the, the political situation that they're in. But Jesus says to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So imagine if you're there, okay? Just picture that scene. It's Maybe a hundred or so people are around. I don't, I don't know how many people are around, but they're all gathered around Jesus, and he kind of makes this announcement. He says, I'm going away, but the Holy Spirit is coming, and then you will receive power. And Because you're thinking at this point, man, if I've got to keep doing what Jesus is going to do, things have got to change around the place, because I don't, I don't know how to do that. Like th- th- This is just way beyond me. But there's this promise that the Holy Spirit is coming and that that power is coming. And it reminds you of John 14, verse 12, where Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me or has believed in me will do what I have been doing. I don't know about you, but you ever read verses like that and think, oh, man, (laughs) yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, that, that would be great. But I, I kind of need more of God to do that, you know. And, and that's what Jesus is saying, is this Holy Spirit who's coming, is my presence, is my power. And, you know, at this point, you've believed in me, you've put your trust in me, but you need that inner power from me to do what I've been doing. And these disciples, they're keen, they're, they're right there. They're probably in the space that we're all going, hey, I want to do that. I want to do what Jesus has been doing. I want to see his life and his kingdom extended in the world around me. But actually doing it, that's, that's the challenge. And that's an okay place to be, okay? I'll just, just let you know today, if you're in that space, that's great. You've put your trust in God. You believe what he has said, and you've gone, yeah, that makes sense. So there's, there's, at some point in your life, you've made this mental shift where you've gone, okay, I believe Jesus is who he says he is, and I've put my trust in him. Maybe you've adopted biblical values and morals. So you, you live a good life, you know, and that's, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. that that's great. God honors us for doing that. But you know that there's more. There's this, it's hard to rationalize, but in your heart you're going, there's got to be more to the Christian faith than this, than just believing the right things, as good as that is, and doing the right things, as good as that is. But how do I live in this relationship with God where I know that he is there? How do I live in this relationship with God where his power is actually working through me, where really cool stuff starts happening around me? How do you get to that space? 
And I, as a, as a young man, like I must have been like 18, 19 years old, I looked at some other Christians and I saw this. I saw them living for God. I saw them having an awareness of God's presence and doing things that were powerful. And I was like going, okay, that would be cool, but I'm not there. I want to be there, but I'm not there. I, I grew up in a pretty conservative church, which was great. It helped me um, understand who God was and to, to put my faith into him and to um, hold on to biblical values and all that sort of thing. That was all good, but I knew there was more. I knew I wasn't living life beyond the ordinary. And these disciples are in that space as well. They're in this space where they're going, okay, I, 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 I'm good. You know, I believe in Jesus, but I know there's more power, there's more of God's presence that I could know. And so they're, they're seeking God for that. And you may be in that space where somewhere over the years you, you've heard sermons like this and you hear about the Holy Spirit coming and you hear about people experiencing God's power and God's presence and it just may not have quite happened for you in the way that you've expected. And the danger when that happens is we, we go to this default position of going, yeah, but I believe the right things and I, I still value what God wants and okay, there's more that, of God that I could experience but... Yeah, I'm, I'm actually okay here. This is, this is, this is a good space. This, this is all right. Because I'm still going to heaven, right? You know, I'm, I'm still good, you know. And yeah, yeah, it is good. But what Jesus is saying to the disciples here and what he would say to you today is this. And it's the message of Acts chapter 1. Get ready for more. Get ready for more. There is more of God. There is more of his presence, more of his power that he wants you to know. So 120 of them, or thereabouts, what do they do? They, they obey God. They obey Jesus. They wait in Jerusalem. They have a 10-day prayer meeting, pretty much. Um, well, they eat and they do other things. But um, they, they, they hang out together. And they, they don't go back to work. They don't go back to their jobs and all that sort of thing. They just... Do what Jesus said they, they are to do. And they just said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll just be here. And we'll wait. So what happens next? Well, 10 days later, we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It must have been a pretty big house. They, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, again, imagine if you were one of these people, you were 10 days before, you were with Jesus and he told you to wait in Jerusalem and you're going, yep, there's more coming. And then this happens. Now, one of the first things that you're probably thinking is, ah, this is what Jesus was talking about, you know? Like, it's, it's an obvious, dynamic, incredible event. Like, it, it is, you know, it, it blows you away. It's not just, it's not every day. This is out of the ordinary, right? This is beyond ordinary. This is not like what you did yesterday. This is, God is here. God is 
present in the room like you've never experienced before. And there's a power of God there that you've never experienced before. This changes everything. And if we're to live a life beyond the ordinary, we need more of God's presence and God's power in our lives. Amen? Do we agree with that? And that's what God's called us to. And it dramatically changed these 120 people. This church of just just 120 people gathered there together. God just poured out his presence. He poured out his life. He poured out his power upon them. And all of a sudden, they were fired up. They were passionate. They were ready to go and tell the world what Jesus had done. They were ready to heal people. They were ready to do what God had called them to do. Why? Because God had empowered them. And God is looking for an empowered church. This isn't, well, this, this isn't just sort of you know, an idea or this isn't theoretical anymore. This is real. This is tangible. This is, this is their experience. And at this point, I'm going to make a couple of footnotes because I know that if you've been in church a while, you've probably heard a sermon on this passage before and you're probably going in one or two directions on this. One direction is you've come from a Pentecostal church background and this is kind of like the Magna Carta. You know, you're kind of like, going, yeah, bring it on. This is our passage. Yay. You know, it's all about, you know, and, and your thinking, your paradigm is if we just have more of the Holy Spirit, if we just have more of his power, if God just breaks out in revival, that's what the church needs. That's it. We don't need anything else. We just need the Holy Spirit. It's all good. And, and this passage, it just proves it. You know? Okay. So, so, so there's probably a few years like you're right in that space today. And then there's people on the other extreme go, well, yeah, but you Pentecostals, man, you can get a bit carried away at times. You know, like it just gets a wee bit too emotional and it's all experiential and all that sort of thing. Hang on, you've got to have good theology as well. You know, you've got to think right about God and you can't just throw good thinking out, um, you know, for the, for the sake of experience. Can I address both those extremes today and say this? It's a both and, it's not an either or. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. So absolutely, we need great theology. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it, and hold on to biblical values. And yes, it does matter. You can be as filled up with the Holy Spirit as you like, but sin is still sin. Righteousness is still righteousness. Those things don't change. So let's not go so far out one way that we neglect the other and or go so far the other way that we go, yeah, but I'm unjustified in this position because all you guys are crazy. No, 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 no. It's, it's a both ends. We need to think right about God, but we also need to experience him in a greater way. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If there is anything that the early church passage, early church teaches us, it's that if we want more of God's presence and God's power, we need to ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Because it's not something that we can do. You know, like... You and yourself could come up, well, you know, you might need to do a bit of study and stuff like that, but you could probably develop good theology without God. 
It's actually possible. Well, unlikely, but yeah, it, it could be humanly possible. And you could probably hold, and there's probably people you know, you could probably hold quite good Christian values without God. But you can't know his presence. You can't know his power without his spirit. So I'm aware that in, in, in this church, because I know most of you, I know the, the background that, or the journey that you've been on, and I know that there are various backgrounds here in St. Martin C3 as we approach a passage like this. And there are various ideas about um, how the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, what the evidence is, and all that sort of thing. I'm not going to go into all that detail now. I just felt to say this today. Whatever your theology is around this passage, what actually matters is whether you're engaging and you're asking God for more of his Spirit. Because whether you've been prayed and you've received the Holy Spirit previously or whether you've never experienced anything like this before, either way, we need more of God's presence and God's power in our lives. Right? So here's the question that I have for you today. What would setting aside all your hang-ups or your previous theology or your... um, your struggles over this passage, what would it look like if you just set that aside for today and went, God, I want to experience more of you. And I am open to whatever that looks like. What would that look like for you today? Ponder on that as we as we go on this journey. Because another kind of footnote that I'm going to say in here is this, that these guys didn't know what to expect. They knew Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come, but they had no idea over the next 10 days what was going to happen. They didn't kind of go, oh, there's going to be like this wind that's going to come through, tongues of fire, we've got it all sorted out. No, no, they had no idea. And they had no idea when it was going to happen. What was going to happen when it was going to happen? There was an element, get this, there's an element of God's sovereignty and mystery here. And I know some of you have gone, yeah, yeah, but I've, I've prayed and I've done this and I've gone up to old calls and this has happened and this has happened and people fall over and amazing things happen to them. It doesn't happen to me. I don't know what's going on. Okay, I don't have the answers to those questions, okay? I, you know, I've, I've had times in my life where God has impacted me very, very powerfully and complete surprise. Like, well, I didn't expect it, didn't see it coming, and I was just like, Whoa, God, God's presence and God's power was just so real and so tangible. And then I've been in meetings, probably like you, where I've gone, right, God, I'm ready. I'm here. Hit me. You know? <laughs> and, and I'm going, okay, you know. I remember being in a meeting at uh, actually at Majestic here, um, a guy called Glenn Bilby, who used to be uh, at Elam. He's a, he's a friend of mine. He actually leads a church, C3 church up in Auckland. And so Glenn and I are standing there, and um, and uh, it's actually in a John Wimber meeting. I don't know if you even remember John Wimber. Very powerful meetings. Like, God is just moving in really powerful ways. Like, it's probably meetings that I've never uh, observed, put it this way, that the presence of God and the power of God hitting people like like this. And... Um, 
And, and John Wimber, he was just this real gentle guy. He didn't shout or jump around. He'd just go, oh, I think the Holy Spirit's just moving over here. And he'd just like put his hand like this. And all of a sudden, there's like this chaos like over, happening over in, in the auditorium. And he looks up at the balcony. And, and literally, Glenn and I are up in this balcony in Majestic. And we're pretty much the only guys in this section because it was like a midday meeting or something like that. And he goes, you guys, I think the Holy Spirit's just coming come there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, bring it on. And, and Glenn's like just, I can see just, God's just, oh, hits him. And I'm like going, come on, like, you know, like I'm right here. You know, you know. So, see, hey, there is a mystery. I, you know, and, and I think we've actually done ourselves a bit of a disservice in the Christian community where we've tried to say to people, it's got to happen this way, and yet we've got to see this happen and that happen. At the end of the day, it's literally just, People in obedience to God saying, I'm here, I'm available, like we were singing. I give it all to you, like we've been singing. Like these 120 people did in the first church. And just saying, God, we're here, we're available. Because there's an element of mystery, there's an element of sovereignty where, where God will impact you the way he wants to do, the way he chooses to. Are we cool with that? Okay. So what do we learn from this? What do, we, what do we see from these first followers of Jesus and how they encountered the Holy Spirit and, and what was their attitude as they came? Well, the first thing that we see in this passage is obedience. Well, it's a pretty straightforward word, isn't it? Obedience. They did what Jesus asked them to do. Here's the question. Are you doing what Jesus has asked you to do? You know, some people I chat to, they go, oh, I want to see more of God in my life. I want to see, I want to have more of the Holy Spirit, more of God's presence, more of God's power. And I say, well, what was the last thing that God asked you to do? And they went, oh, yeah, that. Um, yes. So, um, yeah, about forgiving that person. I say, yeah, have you done that? And they go, yeah, well, on that. And I went, yeah, but you see, God responds to obedience. That's, that's, that's our relationship with God. That's, that's how it works. So just clear, there's just one thing to sort of tick off today as, as we come, as we prepare our hearts for what God wants to do. Have you done what he's asked you to do? Have you surrendered yourself? Have you stepped into the calling that he's called you to? And the second one is related to that, is surrender. These guys actually gave up other things to be in the space to receive from God. They can go back to work. They didn't do other things. They didn't go about their daily lives. They went, okay, let's, let's wait on God. See what he wants to do. So there's a principle here is that we like to be in control of our lives. It's kind of, especially in the Western world, it's kind of how we roll, you know. It's like, yeah, I'll do it my way and if God could help me out that would be really really cool you know well that's not Christianity see that that might be you know the way you want to live your life but that's not what Jesus has called us to what Jesus says if you want life if you want the Holy Spirit then surrender your life and to me this is one of the the greatest keys of receiving from God is surrender not just your sin Absolutely surrender your sin. Like, why would you keep sinning? 
That's not doing you any good. But it's not just surrendering your sin. It's surrendering everything. Your expectations of what God will do. Surrender that. How God will use you. What he's going to call you to do. Your money, your time, your future. Lay it all down. See, you might say, well, I don't, I don't see how that relates to receiving the Holy Spirit. Ah, oh, it, it relates big time to receiving the Holy Spirit because what you're doing in your life is you're making room for Him. You see, God doesn't bring His presence, God doesn't bring His power where He's not invited. But if we say, hey, Lord, come, I surrender it all, I make room for Him, then we, it's, it's almost like we empty ourselves so he can fill us with his spirit. But when we're full of ourselves, let's put it that way, there's no room for the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one. And it's not so obvious in the passage, but I think we can make a reasonable assumption that if they've been told by Jesus that the Holy Spirit is coming and to wait for the Holy Spirit, and they're praying then one would assume that they're probably asking for the Holy Spirit. And it's okay to ask. Matthew 7, Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then it goes on to, you know, that... talks about a father giving um, his son what he needs. Like the, the principle here is that we have a good heavenly father. But he actually wants to know, do you want this? Do you actually want more of me? Or are you actually going, no, no God, I'm good. Because, see, the thing is, you don't know what the life beyond ordinary looks like, do you? So it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit out of your comfort zone. So you're going, hang on, if I surrender all and give it to God, what might, he ask, what might he ask me to do? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. But I know you can trust him. I know that he's good. I know that there is a life beyond ordinary that's way more exciting than the default position of just going, oh, I'll just believe the right stuff and live a good life. I know it's way, what we see here in Acts what you hear from testimonies from people all around you is that this is so worth it. Why would you not want more of God's presence and more, more of his power in your life? You might be here today and you're hearing this message and you're going, hang on, I'm not even sure quite what you're talking about, that you can have a relationship with God, that, that, God, that the God who created the universe, that you can actually sense his presence, you can actually hear him speaking to you, that you can actually be empowered by God. Well, the good news is that's what the Christian faith is all about. That's the life that he has for you. If you're in that space today, there is an amazing person called the Holy Spirit who is God, who wants to actually indwell in you. And as we'll see in the, in the weeks to come, how we come into that relationship is through repentance and faith. Peter goes on after this uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit to go out on the street and say, repent, repent of your sin. Turn from living life your way and surrender to Christ and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
And that may be the space that you're in today, and your response to God is to do exactly that, to say, God, I'm not living my way anymore. I want to encounter you. I want to come into a relationship with you where I can know your presence and your power. Because living my life my way isn't, isn't actually working out that so well as I thought. And I'm certainly not encountering you. And so we're going to pray in a moment. And when we do that, if you want to respond, my encouragement is don't leave this place today and not make, not make at least that step. Why would you delay making that choice any longer? Pray that God reveals himself to you. Open your life to him. You may be very surprised at what happens next. For those of you who have encountered God, who know a relationship with God, who have put their faith and their trust in him, Christ's words to you today are the same as this, these first Christians. There is more. There is more of my presence. There is more of my power that you can know. Come and be filled with my spirit. Let me fill you with my life and my power and my presence today so that you can do all that I've called you to do. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.